0: I'm Gabby. And
1: I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases
0: of Moida Ghosts, Legends, and Lore with a healthy dose of debunking.
1: Will there be any debunking today? Ooh, Scully
0: will abide, yes. Love it. I love it. Keeps me young. Truly, (laughs) like, I I was going to talk about this later, uh, but... I think my favorite word for this episode is going to be the allegedly. 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 We're going to be doing a drinking game, friends. Ooh. Um I don't drink alcohol. I have you my, don't. That's That means it's left to me. I have my liquid death ready to go, oh, um, which death. is appropriate. We're not even sponsoring them. I feel like it should be. No, I liquid love death. liquid death. Though. Liquid death. I love mango <laughs> chainsaw. Delicious. <laughs> Right, like <laughs> Wait,
1: it's called mango chainsaw. Yeah,
0: it's called mango chainsaw. It's mango That's flavored. Amazing. It's delicious, and it's got this like melting skull face on it. It's so. Uh, on brand. The cans
1: are super cool.
0: Yeah, they are, and the boxes like the box has a head of a skull with the eyes poked out. And Terrence put it over his head one time, <laughs> and was just like, "I am a skeleton." Hello, uh, Liquid Death. If you want to sponsor us, please give me a ring. <laughs> Holler. Coolish tendencies. Find us, let me know. <laughs> I will gladly drink your beverages. We should be, be sure tag for them it. in
1: this episode.
0: <laughs> will do. Anyway, friends are probably wondering, or ghouls, what are we talking about today that's going to be so allegedly fun? Allegedly. So, first of all, every time we say allegedly, drink your liquid death or oh, whatever God. beverage you choose.
1: <laughs> I'm going to die by the end of this episode, aren't
0: I? It's really funny because their slogan is murder your thirst. So, <laughs> like, it's just on brand. Anyway, is this murdering
1: my brain cells because of how often I'm going to drink? Maybe. Because I'm not drinking liquid death. Well, at least not that kind of liquid
0: death. Different type of liquid death that's mm. not branded and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> legally that name. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, our topic for today is going to be along the lines of the cryptid. Of cryptids. We haven't done a cryptid in a while. Oh. We haven't. I think the last one we did was the Mongolian deathworm. I was going to say, I think you're right. (laughs) Which was such a fun time. Truly weird. I kept trying to find as much content on that that I could. But, like, I had to stretch it out. Like, (laughs) there's not that much out there. Well, not as much in English, too. There was... uh, True, because Mongolian. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it wasn't... The the lead
1: guy, wasn't he, like, Dutch or something?
0: It's a weird combination. But the point is, is it's often hard to find... uh, like, really in-depth information on cryptids, because it's usually just different versions of the same story here or there throughout time,
1: right? Unless it's, like, Bigfoot or Nessie or one of the bigs, but then those, it's almost too vast to just, like, condense down into one episode, yeah.
0: For sure. It's kind of hard to find a happy medium, and I feel like there are also so many cryptids out there that it can be difficult to decide... (laughs) what to cover. That's true. We like, had that conversation a lot. I was just going to say, like, I know you have so many cryptid books and I we've do. gone through and like it's almost like brain overload of yeah. which cryptid mm-hmm. should we choose. Mm-hmm. So, um, today uh, I couldn't choose. Uh, so, I will be serving you up a buffet if <gasps> you will. A cryptids. cryptid
1: buffet?
0: A cryptid buffet. Delightful. Yes. With a variety of flavors with names that are quite the mouthful that's what she said maybe, maybe. so maybe <laughs> maybe 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 we will be discussing the saddest cryptid i have ever heard of oh, who Sam. allegedly oh, has, ah, damn allegedly drink drink um has self-esteem issues oh buddy same Relatable. Is it me? Am, is it, it, am I the cryptic, Gabby? Gabby? Well, you know, this am one is in the emo corner of the buffet. Oh, so you're the cryptic? It could be either of us, truly. This one is called the Squonk. So we're going to be talking about the Squonk. That's the first one. That's our, like, appetizer, if you will, mm. at our buffet. Um, and then we're going to venture over to Louisiana um, for a shape-shifting cryptid legend. Ooh. Spawned from French lore.
1: (gasps) I love French lore.
0: For the scary side of the buffet. Ooh. A werewolf, if you will. The rougarou. Oh, I love the rougarou. And then that's our main dish, okay? Love, Now for dessert, we will balance out our palates with the bloodthirsty, one-eyed, metal reptilian dragon. The Snallygaster. The Snallygaster. <laughs> so, oh, thought yeah. I'd throw a couple in there that maybe you haven't heard of. Maybe one you have. I Rougarou, I'm very familiar with. I Actually, I, I adore the Rougarou
1: legend. Uh, and I know it from French legend because it's... Uh, the name, I think, is a little bit different. But yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> the one I'm most familiar with of these three.
0: Same. When I was first looking up different ones, I, this is one I've come across often but we'll get to mm-hmm. it in a sec. Let's start first. Let's rewind. Let's go to mm. our appetizer, if you will. So, um, I remember in this episode we're going to be playing a drinking game using the word allegedly. So, if you hear us pause for oh, well, uh, I have jubling, to drink right now cuz you just said it twice. You can do you do you boo boo. Uh, but again, dealer's choice drink whenever you want. No pressure. Not here to be a peer pressure.
1: <laughs> Except um, me.
0: Just kidding real the time. <laughs> That's true. I actually am number 1 supporter of that for Kim. Uh, however, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get into it. The Squonk. In my opinion, the most relatable cryptid. (laughs) (laughs) We have all been self-conscious. We have all had a rough day. Jesus Christ. Kim (laughs) and I both have had rough days today. (laughs) We have. We have had rough days. Um, I wrote this before we had rough days. (laughs) But, you know, we've all had a rough day. Today today was a squonky day. And we can use that as a descriptive (laughs) word now. Um, But, I mean, maybe you were even bullied as a kid or even as an adult. Social media is not a fun, nice place sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I say I feel for this guy, I feel for this guy. Mm. So let me tell you a little bit about our friend, the squonk. Uh Hashtag sad boy. Um, Deep in the hemlock forests of northern Pennsylvania, you can find this interesting creature described as a homely pig-like creature with saggy skin covered in warts and moles. And because of its misfitting skin and unappealing features, it is always sad, unhappy, Aww, see buddy, and surprisingly incredibly self-aware <laughs> because Aww. he's so self-aware or it's so self-aware. We don't know if it's a he or she. I'm going to call him a he for funsies. Sad boy. Um, he's boy. so self-aware that he is sad because of the way he looks, allegedly. <gasps> allegedly. allegedly. Drink. Drink. Um, so... The squonk is a, quote, quaint beast with a, quote, very retiring disposition <laughs> that typically comes out around twilight or dusk. Hunters looking to bag it supposedly have their best shot on frosty moonlit nights. Mm-hmm. Really setting the scene. It is very atmospheric. But you know how hunters find it? How? <laughs> how? I'm like, thank you for asking, Kim. Uh, They follow a tear-stained trail left behind by the squonk because it's so bummed that it is, quote, given to constant weeping over his really upsetting appearance and can sometimes be tracked by his tear-stained trail. Oh, buddy. So the most self-aware emo cryptid just cries all the time. I mean, again, lately, same, buddy. Relatable. Um, Relatable. Relatable. But apparently, apparently they're not the brightest crayon in the box either. So squonks don't seem to be that hard to catch whether the moon is out or not. Now, there's this book. It's called Storytelling, an Encyclopedia of Mythology and Folklore. Mm -hmm. And it describes the squonk as slow. Interpret that as you will. Oh, buddy. Uh, Fearsome Critters, uh, written in 1939, Mm -hmm. uh, claims that it can only swim around in circles (laughs) due to the webbing found just between the toes of its left foot only. So its left foot's the only foot that's webbed, so he just keeps going in circles. Oh, buddy. Uh, And it is apparently, quote, of distinctly low mentality. Oh, buddy. (laughs) Now, Kim. You might be asking, Gabby, if, if this is not the brightest crayon in the box of a cryptid, with constant emotional breakdowns, and hunters are trying to catch them, has there ever been one caught? Right? Right. So, allegedly,
1: allegedly, allegedly. We need the sound effect every time somebody's <laughs> supposed to
0: drink. Allegedly. Um, Actually, we need to get the Kenny thing, though. The, I have it. We can put it in. We, we <laughs> That's might a lot need of work. To. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Uh, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge. But allegedly, we'll bridge. I'm not going to drink again. Uh, <clears throat> quote, when cornered and escaped seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may even dissolve itself into tears. So it oh. apparently disappears by oh. being so sad. That it melts itself into just a puddle of tears. He's such just yeah, buddy. And uh, that's written by William T. Cox. What a name! Uh, I want a drink just to that name. <laughs> that should be the name of a drink. What? Uh, <laughs> the, he actually uh, wrote the squonk in fearsome creatures of the lumberwoods <sighs> in 1910. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so it's delightful. This fact of the tears. Dissolving itself. Mm-hmm. It actually lends to its scientific, air quotes, scientific name. <laughs> Let me see if I can pronounce this. Lacrima corpus dissolvens, which translates to body dissolves into tears. Oh, buddy. So some substances are stable in solution and some are other in like wild form, but can't be isolated or captured without actually catalyzing their own. Polymerization or decomposition. Sure. Um, so, for example, a molecule having a carboxy- carboxylic acid moiety and an acid late. I can't say any of these words. <laughs> um, science. Science. Um, basically, the way that this works is that it turns into a chemical squonk, and that's an actual name, which is really <laughs> chemical funny. Chemical squonk. That's the Name of a band, man. Like, it chemical is, squonk. That's absolutely-
1: well, okay. Uh, no, I don't want to jump this in case this is something
0: you're going to talk about. Never mind. That's okay. So a man named J.P. Wentling is supposed to have coaxed the creature into a bag, of which when he carried it home, it all of a sudden got lighter. And he was, like, freaked mm. out. Like, wait, how, why is this bag all of a sudden light? So he looks in the bag, and he sees all that's left is just a puddle of tears. And it's liquid <laughs> remains of the sad animal. Um so that's why none have ever been caught to be seen mm. because they just dissolve into tears. So now you might be asking, well, how has this actually been documented? Because sure. I know Scully exists in this world. Scully
1: does exist. Is not me? Am I the Scully? You're the Scully, but I'm ready for <gasps> you.
0: So okay. I'm here for it. All right. And I have dissolved myself into a Scully. Time after time uh, over the span of the three plus years we've been doing this podcast. that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So that book I mentioned before, Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods. Mm Mm-hmm. The extended title is With a Few Desert and Mountain Beasts. (laughs) This name is fun. Very long. Uh, Came out in 1910. And it was kind of like a 20th century bestiary that accounted for America's more fantastical creatures, if you will. Uh, And it was uh, written by our friend William Thomas Cox, if you want his full name. Um, Sorry, I don't know why that's funny (laughs) He was actually Minnesota's first state forester and uh, the commissioner of conservation. Which is oh, kind of cool, cool too. So he's yeah,
1: pretty that's super cool,
0: legit. Yeah. Also, super cool that he's a state forester that also wrote a book about like cryptids. Like, I just think that's really that um, it feels more legit somehow too. Like he's in it. He's yeah. gonna write about it. Yeah, he's like, I'm here for this, man. I'm here, quite literally. And uh, he was that book was actually the first one to record the alleged existence. I didn't say. I didn't say it. i was like does that count should i drink if you want to your call um but it was the first one to record the existence of this creature from pennsylvania's folklore and there aren't any other records of the tale being told prior to this book's publication so this is the first time it's Uh, been mentioned okay okay so that was 1910 relatively like recent ish right um now what's interesting too is it's uh A noteworthy resource on folklore. And uh, a century after its initial publication, it has remained one of the principal sources on legendary creatures of the United States and Canada. So it's like legit for what it is, which is kind of cool. So the next time we see our friend the Sad Squonk, Sad Boy, is in the 1939 book called Fearsome Critters. Uh, and it suggested that squonks had migrated from deserts to swamps and then settled in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Now, I guess because of logging camps, they, like, Mm -hmm. followed logging camps, Mm -hmm. and they were continuously moving in the early 20th century, this could probably be a lateral reason why the creature also migrated to Pennsylvania. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Later retellings include that the squonk were the slowest on moonlit nights as they tried to avoid seeing its ugly appearance in any illuminated bodies of water. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did not want to see its own reflection, sadly. No. boomer buddies. So here's, like, the most fun fact. I love a fun fact. Pop culture. We love talking about pop culture. We do. Guess where he appears, this guy.
1: Like in the, like... Do you mean like guess like in the woods or in the desert? Oh, no, or in like the- in
0: pop culture, like in, in what type of feature? Uh, I mean, it feels like something that people write songs about, honestly. Hold on to that. Hold on to that <laughs> dearly and close to your heart because, yes, you are 100% right. Um, but before that, Paul Bunyan apparently <gasps> had a run-in with a squonk in no Paul way. Bunyan and his great blue ox. Which came out in 1926. Right. So here's the story. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. So Paul and his men are stalled. They're cutting timber. Remember we talked about like logging. They love the logging. This makes sense. Um, When (laughs) someone hears a, quote, queer wailing some distance away, (laughs) he heard somebody crying. Uh, The more the men mimic the wailing, the closer the strange sound gets until eventually he's able to apprehend the unsuspecting squonk in a bag. (laughs) (laughs) and uh this is a quote so rarely did it ever get near men that the logger who had caught the squonk was greatly elated and called his friends to the bunkhouse to see the queer creature when he put it on view alas the logger's elation was only momentary as the squonk did what it does best and dissolved in its distress into nothing but some salt water and bubbles (laughs) Oh, <laughs> but I thought it was so cool That it was in Paul Bunyan That's really cool Isn't that a fun story
1: Well and it also shows you again like uh, Paul Bunyan Because it's folklore When did Paul Bunyan, was that 1800s? That came that
0: out later? 1926
1: Oh shit Man for some reason in my mind Paul Bunyan Is a lot older than that
0: I mean it's I not that, that far off But yeah To be fair that's almost 100 years ago yeah, that's old. Um,
1: <laughs> anywho. Because it's, it's, it's 2023. That's almost 100
0: years ago, Gabby. That's wild. That's nuts. I I'm not so okay old. with it. I'm not okay with well, it. Well, something that I am okay with is music, and you mentioned that just a second ago, and you hit mm-hmm. it right on the head. So, um, back in the day, uh, Steely Dan. <gasps> Steely Dan. 1974. Had an Aww. album called Pretzel Logic.
1: Sure. Um,
0: and they had a song on there called Any Major Dude Will Tell You. Okay. And it has the line, have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. It's like pre-emo. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it gets better. Wait, there's more. But wait, uh, there's more. Genesis. Like the book of? A band, progressive oh, okay. rock band.
1: Sure. No, I
0: know. <laughs> uh, and they, in 1976, uh-huh. um, wrote a song called Squonk. And
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Uh, anyway, very funny. Love the fact that these random bands feature this sad boy. Uh, and what's funny is that. Um, Apparently, because these bands have utilized the squonk as a reference in songs, it's elevated the squonk from a pathetic, sad cryptid to, quote, an icon of the awkward, isolated and alone, end quote. Well, because
1: isn't there this is the thing I didn't want to say earlier, because you might still talk about it, but like I'm mildly familiar with the squonk, like very mildly, but part of why I remember it is because don't they have a whole festival? That's what I was just gonna say. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. In
0: Johnstown, Pennsylvania. They celebrate yes. the squonk at Squonkapalooza. Squonkapalooza. That's the part I remembered because Squonkapalooza
1: was so ridiculous that's stuck in my head.
0: Yep. It's real. Yes. It happens in yes. August. Let's go. It's amazing. Let's go. <laughs> I'm here for
1: it. Let's do it. Let's do it, Gabby.
0: So I'm going to
1: Squankapalooza, everyone.
0: Squankapalooza. Let's dress up as him. We can all be emo together. Um, but I, just for the sake of, I know this is an audio medium for you listeners out there. For the sake of Kim being able to see the visuals that I have provided, I'll also post them on our Instagram. I'm just going to share my screen ooh, so ooh. she can see it. Look at those little Kind of looks like a dude. wild
1: boar a little bit.
0: Bit. A little bit. That's why I was saying, like, it's almost like a pig, but this one's my favorite. Yeah. Look how sad. Oh, <laughs> so sad. He looks so sad.
1: Yeah, it looks <laughs> like he's got a poop.
0: Just a little bit. It's almost like you can confuse its face for its butt
1: a little bit. <coughs> well, like, that's what Tilly does. Because <coughs> my cat has her tiny little tail. And when she, like, has to poop and it happens very suddenly, like, maybe she won't make the litter box. That's exactly oh. the body posture This kind of, like, hunched up, like, oh, crap, the poop is coming. Oh, crap, the it. crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we just said poop a whole lot. I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> ever apologize. Never anyway, apologize for poop. The, the squonk has a squat, and that's the position that Tilly takes when she poops. Um, but it that's is. the squonk. <laughs> and, um, I love it. I have never seen a more relatable cryptid, truly. Um, and you don't really see ones that are just, like, sad. Just <laughs> like, they're sad like, they're usually scary. Like, it's usually, like, terrifying, scary things that are meant to scare people. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm having and I'm going to get hunted. It's a, big, it's a big feelings day. It is a big feelings day. And like, you know what? I get it.
1: We're, we all sometimes we all have to squonk and uh, I think from here on out when I'm having a big feelings day, I'm going to call it squonking.
0: I support that decision and I may Love engage it. with that as well. So, you if know, if
1: you are having a squonk day, uh, tag us on Instagram and take a picture of your face being squonky.
0: Oh, maybe don't. That might be too traumatic. But yes, no, I'm here I,
1: for it. No, I want to see it. I want right. to see squonk
0: photos. All right, squonk photos. Also, if you Bring know it. how to draw a fun squonk, send it to us because we'll post oh, yeah. it.
1: Any and all squonk artwork, self portraits squonk work. Uh, well, your pet looks like a squonk. Tilly send pooping. It to us. You probably don't want to see Tilly <laughs> pooping, but um, you know, I'll take a picture of Tilly if you want. She's adorable. She is a cutie but, uh, pie. She's a cutie patootie. I love the squonk.
0: So that's the squonk. Now, let's venture over to the rougarou. 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 I'm just going to call it the rougarou as a real American. Uh, so this is a Cajun folklore character. And the,
1: the lougarou,
0: that's the French, right? Yes. Yes. So okay. it actually, yeah, it springs from the French word loup-garou, mm-hmm. but it's, it's spelled out loup-garou, but it's pronounced Lou Lougarou? And actually, like, Cajun translation switches L's and R's pretty frequently, which is how it turned from Lugarou to Mm -hmm. rougarou, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And lugarou in French literally translates to werewolf. Yeah. And, uh, you know, although relatively common across the French-speaking world, like, so many things... Mm -hmm. this appears to have gained particular prominence in the swamps of central and eastern Louisiana.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We covered, you covered this in the past, the the Beast of Gévaudan. I can't yes, pronounce the, it right.
1: The Beast of Gévaudan. Thank you.
0: Um, <laughs> that time I don't speak
1: French. Um, listen, but, I always mispronounce all the Spanish words. And so even though like my friend's pronunciation is not great, but I read it real well.
0: We each have our own things. We
1: each have our own the things. Point the point French is, is in that
0: werewolf lore in, in France is pretty massive. And, like, and Europe. Like yeah. Europe as a whole, like Western Europe uh,
1: had a huge culture on wolves and werewolves.
0: And so it's no surprise that with the French influencing Louisiana as much as it has, that there would be a legend similar to that mm-hmm. in the area, Absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And the legend of the Rougarou has been part of Cajun folklore for centuries. It's actually said to have uh, originated in French-Canadian folklore. Oh, Which interesting. is interesting. Yeah, brought to Louisiana by French settlers who migrated hmm. to the area uh, in the 18th century. Oh, But it's not just a werewolf, allegedly. Allegedly. It's a shapeshifter of sorts, mm-hmm. and in the legend, this beast is often described as having the body of a man with the head mm-hmm. of a wolf or a dog and prowls, Louisiana swamps looking for misbehaving children with um, a strong can I taste
1: borrow one? <laughs> of human flesh. I would love to borrow one for some of my <laughs> classes. We were talking
0: about one of them uh, before we started recording. You know, it's just going to get better, Kim. Maybe. Let's see. Wait and see. So, you know, what's interesting is often storytelling has been used to inspire fear and obedience, right? Like, especially back in the day, (laughs) pre-internet.
1: Morality tales, cautionary tales. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't go into the woods, little girl. Exactly. And one such example is the stories that have been told by elders to persuade Cajun children to behave. Mm. Classic case of, hey, kids, you better behave or the Rougarou's going to come for you, you know pre-internet times another uh version there is a wolf-like beast that will hunt down and kill catholics who do not follow the rules of lent fun uh this coincides with the french catholic uh luke guru stories according to which the method for turning into a werewolf is that you actually have to break lent seven years in a row (laughs) which is so specific But most likely the original intention was to prevent kids from playing in the swamp because it's not a safe place. There's alligators, crocodiles, snakes, you know, predators, like actual ones, like real-life animal predators. Um, And then as things happen, later applied to religious teachings because let's just manipulate more people, not just children, right? So, like, (laughs) why not? Uh, And so it is said to be a dangerous creature capable of attacking humans and livestock alike— and cursing those who see it. Dun, dun, dun. There are so many superstitious aspects to this cryptid, including how it even comes into existence. And this is what I love about these types of stories is it just like depends on where you hear it from. Like there's going to be different versions of how does a rugaru become a rugaru? How long does one exist for? Can you pass it to other people, right? Like the classic tale of like a werewolf bitten by a werewolf turned into a werewolf, like all of that lore that we hear, right? So one version states that a human who gets bitten by a rugaru will remain in rugaru form for 101 days. Some 101 that's very specific. Where did they get that number? I that's wonder, it's a wonderful question because other references say 90 days, like huh. you know, like 90 day fiance, but like more hairy. Sure, right? right, right. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, <laughs> sure, tomato, yeah, tomato,
0: depends on what we're talking about. Mm. Um, but within that period of whether it's 90 days or 101 days, the beast must draw another human's blood in order to pass it on and rid themselves of the curse. Okay. During the day, the creature returns to human form, which is that whole, like, werewolf-type story, right? Sure. Um, although acting sickly, the human refrains from telling others about the situation because he's freaked out of being killed. Right. Paranoia ensues. No surprise there. Um, conversely, another version believes that a person... Uh, with the curse will not transform into the farm until it consumes human flesh. So that oh. makes me think like, wait, so you have to be a cannibal first. <laughs> and Been there, then, done that. then oh. you can become a werewolf. That's how you graduate. <laughs> uh, now there's lots of versions. Some uh, older beliefs state that the Rugaroo curse can only be passed by a witch. The mm. witch will either become the beast herself to pass the curse by biting another human Mm -hmm. Or cast a lycanthropy spell upon Mm -hmm. another human, which if you don't know what lycanthropy is, it's just literally transforming a human into a wolf. Mm -hmm. Um, The person who receives a curse would not be able to pass on the curse because only the witch has the power. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly.
1: Oh.
0: Right. We are unsure as to whether the curse will become permanently transformed or if they can change to a human forever um or if it's forced into transforming only during a full moon there's no like rule for that uh and there's lots of like misconceptions there too um obviously as the norm with traditional legends usually one story can conflict with another such as word of mouth storytelling right but there's also another way Allegedly, Ooh. you Allegedly. shouldn't look into its red eyes to avoid the transfer of energy. Otherwise, you could become a Rougarou purely through eye contact. Oh, dear. So if your if you're pillow behind you... <laughs> <laughs> my Nick
1: Cage. if you're uh, Nick Cage see, pillow if you were a patron on patreon you could see the terrifying <laughs> thing that resides behind me
0: <laughs> if those were some red eyes i would think that's a ruguru and you and i are both ruguru screwed you know what i mean screwed <laughs> <laughs> stupid i should not have been a so dumb.
1: <laughs> thank you for that that's the gift that's a gift keeps giving it does. um
0: Now, some people are really, really superstitious in that Louisiana area. We've talked about this before. So there's lots of stories about how to keep the Rougarou away. Mm -hmm. How do we do it? Let's keep it away. Apparently, 13 is a fun number for, uh, you know superstitious people, Sure. Um, having 13 shiny items will ward off the Rougarou. (gasps) I've got at least 13 shiny items. But it has to be specifically just 13 things like around your house or around your door. Because the reason why is funny to me, because apparently um, count can't can't count past 13. (gasps) (sighs) Which I just have questions because like... I have a lot of questions. Technically, if you were once a human, is the education just that bad? Or do you just forget once you become a Rougarou? Like, I just, Mm. I don't know. Gabby
1: has questions. I have questions. She has questions.
0: Now, some superstitious people will put a leaf in their wallet, thinking that that will make the Rougarou stay away from them, which, sure, good luck with that.
1: Sure.
0: Um, Apparently, they are afraid of salt and will explode or burst into flames on impact (laughs) with salt, which just... Like Slugs. (laughs) Basically, it sounds just like more fun than what it probably actually is. But I, I just want to see all these things happen. Like, I would love to just be in a place where you are in a circle of salt. You know how people would mm-hmm. like do protective salt circles around themselves. Oh and yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll line of
1: salt too. Coming after investigations under yeah. line of salt,
0: but like with also thirteen shiny items, and then like just holding a leaf, and just like look like a s- insanely not level-headed human just standing in a circle of salt with shiny things in a leaf mm-hmm. to each their own. Now, fun fact. Love fun facts. Love them. Uh, once the Rougarou settled into southern Louisiana, uh, it took on some aspects of local Native American cryptids. Oh, okay. uh, such as the Choctaw shape-shifting owl witch mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in fact instead of wolfish features most Cajuns will describe the Rugaroo as resembling a dog or owl interesting um, and there's this author his name is Nathan Rabelais uh, okay. who uh, wrote folklore figures of French and Creole Louisiana and he said, No one agrees what it looks like because they don't really have wolves in this part of our country. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. That makes a lot of sense. Now, while many sightings of the Rougarou are dismissed as hoaxes, misidentifications, totally get it, uh, some locals believe in the legend and continue to search for evidence. Evidence. Of its existence in the swamps and bayous of Louisiana. But in recent years, there have been several reported sightings of the Rougarou, including one in 2016 in Houma, Houma, H-O-U-M-A, Houma, Louisiana. H-O-U-M-A, yeah, Houma. Houma. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, Tomato, uh, tomato. Yeah. So allegedly, there is a video online that shows what appears to be a large, dark figure with glowing eyes walking through a residential neighborhood. Ooh. I could not find this video. I was gonna ask, did you find the video? I looked for it super hard. So mm. if Kim, the investigator of all investigators, yes. no, can Kim's find it, it. Okay. Um, so give me,
1: give me the give me the deets again.
0: 2016. Hauma, Louisiana. Uh, it's a residential neighborhood. Honestly, this just sounds like a person with reflective eyes walking through a neighborhood in the dark. To me, my like, you know scully brain that you've implanted in my head. That's what I think of. But, you know.
1: No, it's now... If, we'll see. Now I feel like this is, this is now Kim's personal challenge. And so, truly, uh, I just
0: kept finding stupid videos that were, like, very much not that. So you but you found will... a reference
1: to a specific video.
0: Yes. I found a reference to a specific video, but I could not find said specific video. I just found a bunch of generalized videos about Rugaroos, not, like sightings and if I found a sightings one it was like a TikTok where someone took a picture of a werewolf and implanted it in the TikTok and it was it was Absolutely. very clearly like not real. Um but anyway having said that this is my favorite part about the Rougarou is that it's the story has kind of diminished over time. Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot with storytelling, especially in the age of technology and the internet and like I don't know, priorities of gaining information in different ways. Storytelling is not as strong as it used to be 200 years ago, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just different. And while Louisiana's swamps have always had an air of mystery and menace about them, it's a great place for a spooky story. It's always been a great spot for a a spooky story. That's where, like, Mm -hmm. a ton of vampire stories and legends and things like that exist. We've talked about those before way back in the day. Mm -hmm. But what has shaped... The, the Cajun culture and inspired stories of the Rougarou is mainly the mystery of the swamps. And mm. they've been cut off by the Mississippi River that once built and maintained them. And over time, the ecosystem has changed. So the legend has started to fade with younger generations as the ecosystem is evolving and negatively impacting the wetlands in that area. And honestly, it's not really requiring such threatening tales for youngsters anymore. Right. Yeah. So in 2011, there's this guy named Jonathan Forrett. He was an, is, was, he's alive, a native of Terrebonne, uh, parish. He launched the Rugeru fest in Helma, Homa, the place where that sighting was, uh, seen. hmm And, it's not just a fest. It's actually both a fundraiser for the center where he works. That's an ecosystem-like supportive center and a way to revive the fading cryptid tradition. So he wants to bring back the legend of the Rougarou to people Love. who have not necessarily heard of it before. Sure. And at the same time, help the ecosystem, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. So every October, uh, events Rougarou Costume Contest is a really fun nice. uh, event uh, where everyone can reimagine their own Rougarou. Um, and uh, some people even dress up as an eco-activist Rougarou, which is super fun. Uh, that author I was mentioning earlier that wrote that book, uh He said the festival is cool because it links folklore to current issues and things that people need to be aware of. He sees it as an example of the way cryptids evolve alongside the cultures that created them. The Rougarou once served to scare adults into being good Catholics and children into staying home after dark. But he also said now there are other things to be scared of, like rising water levels and hurricanes. Mm. And uh, for it, the guy who put together the fest, said, the Rougarou is like our own Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires, and so only you can save Louis- Louisiana's wetlands. Aww. So I love that. I love a little, like, heartwarming story about a cryptid that's now inspiring, like, eco-activism. Yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. Hmm. That's so, very cool. I did that. that a that. fun little fact? I like that one, yeah. All right. That's our main dish for the uh, episode. The Rougarou. Rougarou. Fun story. It usually also comes up when you talk about vampire legend just because of the, like, you know, bloodthirstiness. But uh, Mm Louisiana is a fun place to have those legends. for dessert we will <gasps> dessert. finish off to give a full meal we got an appetizer with Love. your buffet and your buffet. main course and now we have mm-hmm. your dessert mm-hmm. the snally it's the best name ever isn't it it's so good this one's <laughs> such a good time like i chose well, this i don't one. know this one this is not one i've ever heard of i'm so excited to tell kim about a cryptid she's never heard of you guys i don't think you understand the joy that this brings me um <laughs> But dragons, am I right? <laughs> Ooh, love a good dragon. Love a good dragon. A very common fantasy character. And Absolutely. Cryptid. When yeah. you think of like cryptid dragons, do any come in mind in particular? Cryptid
1: dragons or yeah. just like? cryptid.
0: Like we even covered one that was dragon-ish in the past.
1: Uh, I'm trying to think which one we covered that was dragon-ish, but
0: I can tell you if you want. Sure. The joy Devil had
1: those wings and uh, weird tail. I guess I
0: don't really consider
1: that dragon, because he's more goat, so I don't consider him dragon. Yeah, he's like
0: goat dragon, though, because he has, like, the tail and the wings. I think of well, him as like the a dragon. the wings are described
1: as more being, like, bat, I guess, so.
0: Okay, fair. But bat wings also kind of look like dragon wings. Mm, could be like a little baby dragon. I don't know what I think of it. My, like, mind like a, my
1: mind is I guess my mind doesn't go dragon when I hear some of those things, so. Okay, but that's fair, because I, I, more like demon. I think it's more like I guess devil, because like the that's Jersey, de- yeah. So I think my mind goes more into the demon devil category than dragon, which is where that did not pop up in my. That's head okay, right away. but I but, get it.
0: But yeah. you know, different perspectives. But anyway, different perspectives. I know you just told me that you haven't heard of it because I was going to ask you, have you heard of it? And you said I no, not. no. So this dragon mm-hmm. allegedly lives somewhere in Frederick County, Maryland. Allegedly. Allegedly. And it's called the Snallygaster. Such a fun like, name. I could see Moira what? from Schitt's Creek just oh, using that live. as a descriptive word. I would live The live Snallygaster.
1: Saying that, that's amazing. I feel like
0: we need to make like a wine called the Snallygaster. I'm on it. Anywho, that area of Maryland was mostly <gasps> settled by German immigrants in the 1730s. Mm-hmm. And early accounts describe the community being terrorized by a monster called the Schnellergeist, That's which funny. is German for quick ghost. Fun fact. Um, earliest incarnations of the creature was like mixed half bird mm-hmm. with nightmarish features of demons and ghouls. Okay. So that was like the OG original. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually started to evolve into being half reptilian, half bird-like creature, mm-hmm. sometimes even terrifyingly described as having tentacles. Um Ooh. right? Like octopus tentacles that would swoop from the sky and carry off Love. townsfolk. And to top it off, it would drain their bodies of blood, because I feel like all good cryptids have to be bloodthirsty. Love. It was also said to have a metallic beak lined with razor-sharp teeth. Okay. Giant wings. I'm here for it. Steel claws. Love it. My favorite part? Only one eye, just right in the center of its head. Hmm. So Cyclops. A Cyclops cryptid, yeah. Love it. With like tentacles in the whole nine yards. Um, Apparently, people uh, would paint seven pointed stars on their homes to protect them Mm, from the snallygaster. And fun fact: you can still see seven pointed stars painted on local barns that are really old there. Ooh! So that's fun. That's very cool. The sightings went uh, pretty quiet until about 1909 a bunch of people started reporting being plagued by this weird thing. Now, okay. when there is legend, and mm-hmm. then there are publications, Sure, and we've seen this time after time in the past, mm-hmm. where publicity is good no matter what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have newspapers that are starting to be big, and they want a good story, and want people to buy their their articles. Maybe have a good story in there so that people buy your shit, right? Right. So on February twelfth, nineteen o nine, the Middletown Valley Register published a letter from T. C. Harbo of Castown, Ohio, who spotted a quote gigantic monster, which he claimed yeah. was on the loose and headed toward Maryland. Okay. It was described by local residents as a beast with, quote, enormous wings, a long-pointed bill, claws like steel hooks, and an eye in the center of its forehead. It also was described as making screeches, quote, like a locomotive whistle, (laughs) end quote. Interesting. Even more terrifying, other reports suggested that it had just laid an egg at Crampton's Gap. What a name. Near Burkittsville, these names, perhaps laying the basis for even more snallygastas. <laughs> this is in an article <laughs> published. And uh, we have talked about hysteria in the past <laughs> of certain things that have happened. I don't know. We never really covered the Salem Witch Trials because that's such a big one. But, like, there are many cases of hysteria out there. what well, were the, the dancing one. We did one a long time ago of the the dancing plague. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dancing plague. That was a great one. Just hysteria can happen very quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it got a lot of publicity. True. This thing yeah. was like such a big deal that the Smithsonian Institution was offering a reward for its hide. The Smithsonian was offering a reward for someone to kill this thing and bring it in to put in their museum. Like... That's how serious it was. And then even better, U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt (laughs) reportedly postponed an African safari to personally hunt the Snallygaster, and there's even pictures to prove it. I have them. I can show you. I Um, love it. So I'm going to show you these pictures, and you tell me what you think. I'll tell you what I think. I'm going to show it to you right now, and then I'll also post on our Instagram so our listeners can see. Mm-hmm. <gasps> <laughs> oh, wow. My favorite is this art that I found on Etsy. Of I was someone... going to say,
1: that's also Roosevelt looks like is, we're, as bad as my Nick Cage pillow right there.
0: <laughs> like the uh, eyes. Yeah, I think creepy, those are glasses. Man. I think they're supposed to be glasses. I know, but the way it reads
1: is, like, <clears throat> really funky, glowy eyes. Yeah, that's
0: true. But also, it's just, I love that someone, like, painted a picture of Theodore Roosevelt standing on a dead snallygaster.
1: Um, it kind of looks like a giant hairless bird <laughs> with, with like, a parasite
0: infestation. <laughs> and before I finish everything else, I just want to show you this fun picture. Oh, jeez. Oh. <gasps> of uh, a like snally a gaster vomiting
1: tentacles yep. i love it with that big wow. old eye
0: and so i'll post all these pictures on our instagram but i just wanted to it's give delightful. you that visual but okay i will just say That's amazing i don't know if theodore roosevelt actually hunted him down because this article does not look like it was theodore roosevelt it just looks like a bunch of dudes going to shoot after a snally gaster. uh but anyway sightings did not stop during this time, they continued for many years, including a chance encounter in 1923 with Middletown resident Charles Main. He actually owned Maine's ice cream and was reported to. Oh, well, he reported to a, a Cumberland newspaper that, quote, its wings spread appeared to be between 12 and 14 feet. At times, he said it threw out long streamers like the arms of an octopus, but would draw them in again. End quote. Love. Love. Such a visual. Mm-hmm. Then in December 1932, the Hagerstown Morning Herald reported on the death of the Snallygaster. It was purportedly lured to a moonshine still in Frog Hollow in Washington County oh. and apparently was overcome by the noxious fumes and drowned in the alcoholic vat. <laughs> oh, buddy. But then like, what happened to the body? That's my question.
1: Anyway, question, nobody actually. ever
0: answered it. So I'm mad. Rude. Now, it was later revealed that these reports were all part of a hoax mm-hmm. perpetrated by Middleton Valley Register Editor George C. Roderick and reporter mm. Ralph S. Wolfe in an attempt to increase readership. These are great names. Right? Scully to last.
1: <laughs>
0: so, what's really cool, though, is the descriptions that they invented actually borrowed themes from existing German folklore, including the dragon-like creatures who snapped children and livestock and also appeared to invoke descriptions of the Jersey Devil, Woo-woo. our friend. Our good friend, which our had bestie. Been spotted very recently around the same time. So That's true. On That's June, true. Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, yeah. On June twenty second, 1953... <laughs> This is my favorite part. I love petty shit, man. i just, I freaking love it. <laughs> I love <laughs> petty <laughs> stuff. So on June 22nd, 1953, Whitaker Chambers, uh-huh. he uh, lived in Carroll County, Maryland. Okay. He did an examination on U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy mm. in an essay titled, Is Academic Freedom in Danger? Mm. I just will say this. He was not a fan of Mr. McCarthy, Senator McCarthy. That's fair. Uh, Neither am I. You know, (laughs) politics. But um, Mm -hmm. I really wish people these days would compare politicians to cryptids because- It should happen more often. Right? Apparently, Senator McCarthy, who didn't have the best reputation, was referenced as the symbol of a national (laughs) snallygaster. Um, so uh, political jokes apparently go way back. And I think Fair. they used to be better than what we do now, to be honest. I mean, like, it's, can we just I feel like people were ballsier in a weird way? Can we just get more like people comparing people to cryptids? Like, it's just I feel like it'd be more we fun. should
1: start a trend once a week. We are going to compare a politician to a cryptid. Oh, my that God. We that's such a good selected. idea.
0: We have to do it.
1: I'm gonna, I've got. You know how many books on cryptids I have. Uh,
0: we have an endless supply. We do. And that's the Snallygaster, which love. I love it. I knew you'd get a kick out of. Also, the I fact do. that like Theodore Roosevelt <laughs> is involved. Yeah. Oh no, that's such a lovely detail. <laughs> it's like mwah, chef's kiss. So I dedicate the Snallygaster to you, Kim, um, because you. truly, if there's anything I, I can it. do for a friend, it's Refer you to a new cryptid.
1: <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, and thank you.
0: That concludes our buffet of cryptids for today. Yeah. Buffet. We probably buffet? will have another buffet de cryptid at some point in the future.
1: Yes. But sometimes- I have some like a buffet of some weird local ones I've been Ooh. wanting to do for a bit. Like my friend the Bat Squatch. Yes.
0: You know, I love the batscotch. Yes, and I feel but like, like it's, where there's
1: not really enough for a whole episode by itself.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's why I think the buffet is so fun. Is that no, we can do? No, I love do- the buffet. A couple of them. And, you know, still be within time. So, Because there's
1: a couple cryptids where it's like, we don't necessarily have enough to devote a whole episode. But this is also just
0: like weird and bonkers and awesome. And fun to talk about. I feel like it's fun just fun to like, talk about. So fun. And mm-hmm. sometimes we have to break up the heavy shit with something light.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We Well, and we're coming off of a two-part episode, which is talking about a lot of, of again, true crime and murder. Uh, no, it's it's nice to have a little goofy, have a little fun, have something kind of lighter. No, this was this was a good palate
0: cleanser. You know, and we talked about a mouthful. We got a full palate cleanser of the Squonk, <laughs> oh the Rougarou, the squonk. and the Snallygaster today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All great band names. Um, Absolutely. Also, s- so squonky. I'm such a squonk. I'm just going <laughs> to use that forever and ever <laughs> now. It's a squonk. It's a squonk. It's a squonk. And this brings us to <laughs> Creepy Critics Corner, Creepy Critics Corner. Kim, what you watching? Uh, well, okay,
1: so the, the two I'm going to talk about today, I saw a little bit ago, um, our recording schedule got a little bit funky because you had some travel you had to do, and so we we like banked some stuff and... Uh, I went and saw, first I went and saw Renfield. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, which is, yeah, it's a, a, Nick Cage and Nicholas Holt movie, uh, about Renfield from, from Dracula. And, you know, I have to say, so it was fun. It was very silly. It was very fun. Um, it's a good time. I, I will say. It didn't seem to know exactly what it wanted to be. Ah. Um, And it it does some really cool things where if you're familiar at all with uh, the original um, black and white 1931 Dracula film where it, it recreates parts of that in the beginning, which is really cool. Casting, like you know, you had um, Nicholas Holt, and you had had Nick Cage, obviously Dracula, Uh, but then it it doesn't seem to always know if it wants to be like a full-on horror comedy. Does do I want to be a weird action film? Um, Nick Cage is is having his living his best afterlife undead life (laughs) as as Dracula and chewing scenery, but the character was a little two-dimensional, and you got Nick Cage, man, don't do so much. So much, and he's so willing to do anything and go there. Uh, So it was, I enjoyed it. It was a good time, but I felt like it could have been a lot more if it it figured out what it wanted to be. I think it was trying to be too many things. Too scattered? Too scattered. But that being said, again, it's a blast. It's super silly. If you need something just light and weird and, and fun... It is absolutely an awesome movie for that. Uh, the movie I saw after that that I think was um, a, a delightful surprise Ooh. Uh, was Evil Dead Rise. Oh, I saw that you went to go see that. The newest Evil Dead film. And I am a... a a big fan of the Evil Dead franchise. I like all the movies in the Evil Dead franchise. And it's not that I'm surprised that I thought Evil Dead Rise was really fucking good. Cause I did. Uh, I, I think where I was surprised is for, for those of you who are familiar with the Evil Dead franchise, um, there was a, I don't know, requel reboot, whatever you want to call it back in, uh, 2013 of Evil Dead that, that, Acknowledges the history uh, while kind of branching off into its own thing, and and it's it's great, it's a great movie. It's a very well done. It's very tight. Um, but the original couple films, especially part two and three, have this really great blend of of comedy and horror. Part two, more than anything else, you have this really fantastic horror film that has all these really funny, ridiculous physical comedy bits. And what I what I loved about Evil Dead Rise is that it was very much part of the universe. It honored the films before. It had all these easter eggs. But everything felt very natural. It felt justified. Everything paid off. Your your actors are spectacular. The the um actor who plays uh the the mom in it, the one that kind of ends up being possessed um like uh she's she's so good and the physical physical stuff she goes through during the course of this film is just intense to the point where i kind of i need to look the actress up because if she's not a dancer or a gymnast or or something uh because she just is, is again, willing to completely go there physically with this character. Uh, the opening credits, too. It has some of the coolest opening credits I've seen in a long time. Um, I loved it. I love, 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 loved this movie. Nice. And one of the things I think I, uh, that really impresses me is this was going to go straight to streaming. That was the original plan was for this to to go to streaming. And um after after some test screenings that were really really good, they decided to give it a theatrical release and it's good that they did because it has been nailing it theatrically. That's awesome. Like its budget was, I don't know, it was under 20 million dollars. It was something I think in the 15 to 19 range for for a budget and it's made At this, at time of recording, close to ninety million dollars. Cool. So if 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 you like a good horror film, again, I wouldn't say if you're not into gore, if you're not into horror, this is not going to be for you. This isn't one for the casual viewer. But if you like the franchise, if you just like a really well done horror film, that will you will never look at a cheese grater the same way. Oh no, say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Like the gore is is just like it is on point. And again, the Evil Dead franchise never shies away from gory scenes. Um, yeah, no, I just loved this movie. So, uh, yeah, those, those are the two theatrical releases I've seen lately, and I'm happy to finally be able to talk about them. Uh, nice. What have you been watching, Gabby?
0: Um, I watched a horror film for the first <gasps> time in a long time. What? What was it? Veronica, which... Oh. I mentioned I sent you a video about mm-hmm. it because I saw someone talking about it and I was like, wow, this sounds really interesting and I haven't heard mm-hmm. of it. Um, I know you said you've seen it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. and it, it's, it came out.
1: It's somewhere like five or six years old. Yeah, at this it's, point. it's
0: not that old, but it's not yeah. super fresh either. Um, I love a well, movie – well. The case is from the '90s, right? Yes. So yeah. and I love a movie that like actually is a retelling of an actual thing that happened. "Quote unquote," air quotes. I I did my due diligence to look it up. Of what say, actually happened? Because the real
1: the real case is like, mm.
0: well, it's also it's sketch for sure. And like yeah. obviously, any kind we see this all the time with movies. Like they're going to be dramatized. It's a movie. They inspired like, by a true. Story. It's 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 a movie. It's a movie. Um, but uh, I always love a film that has anything to do with Ouija things. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I. Always appreciate anything that takes place in the 90s, just for the mm-hmm. references and music and vibe and like detail. Oh, yeah, detail. no, same. Absolutely. And so this is a story, for those of you who don't know, I know Kim and I are talking about it like everybody knows, it's a story about a teenager who basically is... Like the mom of her family, while mm-hmm. her mom is working, she's got three younger siblings, like little kids, like a, When she's a young teenager, she's like too. fifteen. Yeah, she's like yeah, fifteen yeah, years she's old. She's fifteen, mm-hmm. and um, this takes place in Madrid, so it's a Spanish-speaking film, and mm-hmm. uh, it basically uh, happens in the beginning. the 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 scene that it sets in the very initial like fifteen minutes of mm-hmm. the movie are so poignant to me because it shows what happened and then it does that re- rewind of like well let's start from the beginning right mm-hmm. so you have questions and you're like what happened what did these people see that was so terrifying and allegedly <laughs> i'm saying allegedly, allegedly take a drink um done this film was told through the accounts of the detectives that were called to the house to investigate the case allegedly um and so it starts Tim with the Cabby. perspective i know i'm doing it on purpose now um apparently it starts with the what the you know detective saw and then you go back and see what happens and essentially Veronica is with her two friends there's a little bit of mean girl thing going on within her friend and this other girl and they during a solar eclipse where everyone goes to the roof of their school they go to Mm -hmm. the basement and do a Ouija session um, Mm -hmm. to try to contact her father who's passed away and her friend's friend's boyfriend who died in a car accident and something weird happens during the session some spooky shit happens and then slowly but surely things start to fall apart in her Mm. life and it is allegedly a true story inspired by a true story it honestly made me want to look into the true story more um. To uh, the true Story's been on my list. I was gonna say we should probably yeah. cover it at some point. It would be no, really it's been interesting on my to, list cover. To, to cover. To cover because it's
1: uh, uh, without spoiling things about yeah. what happens. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird. There's a lot. The movie embellishes of crap ton of things but yeah, yeah. anyway sorry but it's
0: really you. good and it's done <laughs> no, it's super a great well movie. yeah um, no it's very very good the suspense is fantastic the honestly the cinematography is really beautiful mm-hmm. and it's I just it's
1: really good too yeah
0: especially for these little kids like yeah. they were really good and i feel like i felt what they felt watching it mm-hmm. which is well, really the hard to experience veronica is fantastic Incredible. yeah yeah um and it's just a kind of a slow burn mm-hmm. um and I love a slow burn I love a slow burn. This yeah. was the type of horror film I'd love, Kim. Just so you know, love this type of horror film. I have some titles um, I'll send in your your way. And now I have access to Shutter. I didn't realize I did, but I do. So mm. send me your things. Um, but I also have to put it on during the day so that if Terrence wants to watch, he is okay. <laughs> But whatever. Anyway, I watched that. And then to balance it out, we watched Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney Plus, which okay. is the new uh, Peter Pan movie with... Um, what, Colin Farrell, right? No. With no. Jude Law. Jude Law plays Hook.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, that in my mind, they're the same person. I was like, it's A one of those different. guys. A little bit different. Listen, listen, I'm <clears throat> playing your drinking game, okay? I'm, I'm trying to keep
0: caught up. That's I, fine. I mix I, up generic male actors. <laughs> totally fine. But... My favorite part of this movie is Jim Gaffigan playing Smee because I freaking yes. love Jim Gaffigan and him is well, Smee. Smee. Let's face it, Smee is one of the best characters, and Jim Gaffigan playing Smee—he is no, just Jim Gaffigan, like I'm here for it. It's so love good. It. He's the best love part it. of the movie. But it is a really wonderful retelling of Peter Pan. It's got a bit of a spin to it. I think I liked it. Um,
1: I more. Have you read the original book?
0: Not for a very long time.
1: I I don't love the story partially because I don't love that Peter Pan has become a hero when he was not written to be a hero. that way. That's fair. So I can see that. It's not my, like, I, I like Hook and stuff, but it's, it's never Hook. been my favorite um, story. Sure. Personally, uh, but I, I appreciate all these retellings. I like different interpretations. Sometimes the interpretations are give a, a fun spin.
0: Yeah. And I also appreciate what people can do with technology these days. Oh, absolutely. So yes. So seeing absolutely. it with a, a little bit of a different perspective on it. Also, Mila Jovovich's daughter plays Wendy, which is kind oh, of cool. Seriously, Yeah. And she's like 15. Yeah, and a... the actor who plays Peter Pan is 16. So again, appreciating okay. younger actors and like yeah, no, doing a great I, job.
1: I love one. I, I love anytime I can find stuff to also bring into my own like youth film classes. So I, I love like stuff sure. that, that utilizes actual young actors
0: yeah absolutely anyway it was really good i liked it um right. for what it was i just really loved jim gaffigan as me and that made no, it for me
1: But yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just need something kind of fun and lighter yep. and and yeah absolutely. and that was
0: it's either that or 90 day fiance so what would you rather me talk about right so um, this
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: Sorry, I, haven't I mean said that. whatever you want, Gabby. You live your best life. I do. Watch what you I just don't watch. tell you about it, Kim. That's all. I, you, I've heard a lot about 90-day Fiancés. No, you haven't. Trust me. I've barely <laughs> told you anything. Um, God bless you for that. This is why we're still friends. Yes. I'm selective <laughs> with what I tell you about what do I what I watch. But I also been watching Ted Lasso, which is also heartwarming and so oh, well, good. This is so, the third
1: seat. Wait, can we can we take a moment? Because I think this has been on my list to talk about, but I wasn't sure if I should because it's not not like spooky related we but have like time. this season so good Just one okay so um my friend amy who doesn't listen to the podcast so she doesn't know she's getting a shout out right now amy you're getting a shout out hi amy Uh, she has been coming over to, for, we've had Ted Lasso Wednesdays where we have been just like, usually we go out and get dinner or drinks first, um, emphasis on the drinks. And and then we watch the newest episode of Ted Lasso. And so, and I've been looking forward to this. It's nice watching with another person, but like, my goodness, it's hitting the funny. It's hitting the heartfelt, like. Roy Kent man dude. Um,
0: everything that Roy Kent does makes me think of you now is it because you associate me with Roy Kent maybe a little bit (laughs)
1: listen just because Roy Kent as a coach is not dissimilar from me as an educator uh (laughs) although I don't tie (laughs) strings to my students (laughs) that's a lie I have done that not like that no I've tied no, we tied strings once. This was back, to, this was back during back the pandemic. We were trying to get the kids to stay six feet apart. Cause like, okay, here's the thing, friends. Um, we started teaching back in person in in summer of 2020. So like pandemic started, things closed in what, like March or so of 2020. March. Yeah. By by summer, I was I was in theater camps again. Um, because we were able to be considered essential workers. Uh Keeping children and teenagers six feet apart in theater. It's not my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. And so what we would do, we were tying six foot long yarn to their arms or their hands or their fingers that they had to keep that distance to try to keep them apart from each other.
0: So basically you inspired this episode of Ted Lasso okay so Roy Kent takes it to another level oh very very much for those of you that haven't seen it we won't give it away no but it's so funny. but oh my god it's so funny <laughs> and there's just like this one scene where I was dying where Roy Kent was like doing some kind of impression of some sort and I was like oh my god it's Kim
1: oh well and I will say um Will Will that's the the Kitman, right is Will um his impression of Coach Beard. <laughs> I, I think I
0: peed a little <laughs> laughing
1: so hard. Uh
0: it was it was it was What about oh, Beard as um Piggy Stardust? That was pretty good, too. Oh,
1: Piggy Stardust. Well, and just all of their impressions of each other. I loved Rebecca's uh e- evening of mystery. Uh, no, this season has been really it's it's like it's hit me emotionally. It's hit me in the it's funnies. It's really well
0: written. Super it's good.
1: So well written. The perform. I love that. It's, it's, this season has been so ensemble driven too. Mm-hmm. Like Colin's story has really, really, really hit me. Um, I don't, I can't, I don't want to like spoil things if anybody hasn't had a chance to start watching Just yet. Just watch but
0: it already, guys. It's, it's so
1: good and um, it's, it's giving, yeah, it's giving the feels.
0: Very real. Honestly, that's what I love about the show is that it's got, it hits points that don't usually get addressed. Yeah, In shows like absolutely.
1: this. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat>
0: um, but it's also just so human and real and like lovely. Just lovely, lovely is a good word to describe and it. It's
1: so many good actors. The acting is so good. The writing is so the good. The comedy I just, is so
0: subtle sometimes, but also yeah. so poignant. So good. And human. Yes. Anyway, we really love Ted Lasso, if you can't tell. We if um, you couldn't tell by us, like, <laughs> gushing
1: about it for the last, you know, five minutes or whatever. We love it's Ted Lasso. Good. If you've been neglecting starting the, the show, period, because you're like, mm, I don't like football or soccer,
0: whatever you want to call or it. Or I don't want to pay for Apple TV. Just borrow it from somebody, please. Borrow it from somebody else. You
1: know, Somebody in your life is watching Ted Lasso. Go to their house. Take their password. Whatever you need to do.
0: It's Smitch. so good. Just watch it. Just anyway, watch it, man. Also, if you've listened this far, you should go check us out on social media. We're going to post a bunch of pictures <laughs> on uh, our Instagram it back. from <laughs> this episode. So check it out. It'll be posted sporadically, um, but you'll see it, I promise. Um, and if you want to say hi, say hi. Also, check out our Patreon. We love it when people say hi to we us. Love I, gotta say, say hi. I love
1: when we get messages from people. It makes me feel happy. Yeah.
0: So anywho, um, having said that, find us on social media. Find us on Patreon if you want more content and, you know, bad jokes and bloopers. It's a good time. Uh, And we appreciate you guys. So uh, having said that, thank you for listening. And stay spooky.